So, Kirk, I see you on the Zoom call that we're on right now, and I'm trying to get a good look at what's in front of you. I, I don't see any snacks. Are you going snackless <laughs> during our uh, draft preview show here? Yeah, I'm going snacks in between break. I'm uh, sneaking in some uh, turkey bacon breaks. <laughs> oh, that doesn't sound happy. Real bacon would be better, but I can live with some turkey bacon. And, and now that you've said the word bacon, I know that Chris is going to reach out to us any second now and uh, fill us in on his bacon. The ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance and all of our guests on the show today appear via the Goodyear hotline. That will include Matt Miller, ESPN NFL draft analyst, who's scheduled to join us here any minute. Kirk, let's go right to the top of the draft. And don't forget, we're going to be doing this tomorrow as well so the first round goes tonight Kirk and I'll be back here again tomorrow we'll talk about everything that took place last night and get ready for the second round as well Trevor Lawrence has been the number one pick in this draft really for a couple of years right you go back to two years ago say oh had he been eligible for the draft two years ago he would have been the number one pick then fast forward to where we are right now he finally is eligible for the draft and it seems like a certainty that he's going to go number one I don't know if I've heard anybody talk about the number one overall pick at the quarterback position like this as a lock, a sure thing since Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck was the last guy I remember hearing about. Look, this is a can't-miss guy. Is Trevor Lawrence that can't-miss guy? Is he a put-him-in-the-lineup-and-he's-your-quarterback-for-the-next-12-years guy? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. We we saw it from him from high school uh, when he was at the Elite 11 camps and all that stuff. And remember, his true freshman year, he beats Alabama. You know, in the national championship game. I mean, after that, we always said, does he have to play the next two years? Just, he <laughs> right. would have been the first – I mean, he would have been the first overall pick, we think, after his freshman year. So you mentioned those can't-miss quarterbacks, whether it was Andrew Luck. I think before that was Peyton Manning. We Basically, these last two years for Trevor Lawrence just an audition. I mean, he mm-hmm. just had to go out there and do it. But we already knew he was going to be the first overall pick before the season even started. And it was just about what team was going to get him. He's going to go to Jacksonville with Urban Meyer, new system, new scheme, and new philosophy. I like actually I like this fit for uh, Trevor Lawrence. He's going there. The expectations to me won't necessarily be be high, right? They won't like Jacksonville. You can't change this program. I mean, you can't change that. that They're not team. a quarterback away. They're Correct. an organization away. They're an organization away, but they feel that they've got a major piece in. Me being a one-year Jaguar, having spent time down there, this is a spot in which Jaguar fans, I think, honestly, can can wrap their arms around this one. This isn't Blaine Gabbard. This isn't no. Blake Bortles. No. Right? This isn't Gardner Minshew. Okay? This isn't the quarterbacks that they've drafted years prior and said, man, this is – all right, well, we, we, you hope and you wish. I, I don't have those same thoughts when it comes to Trevor Lawrence. He's the best quarterback in this draft. He was the best quarterback in last year's draft. He was the best quarterback in the two years in the draft two years prior to that. So I think it's it's a foregone conclusion that right now we already know that he may be the lock for the offensive rookie of the year. We'll see. But last year went to Justin Herbert. But I think it could be Trevor Lawrence. I think he'd be that successful. Well, like you said, Kirk, he's got that pedigree because he played in a a, a college football conference that it might not be the SEC, but they right. played against SEC teams in the national championship rounds, and they took care of their business. There, there's nothing there. There's no box left unchecked. And unlike Gabbert and Bortles and Minshew <laughs> and all these guys, these were the guys that were available when it was their turn to pick. This is they can take anybody they want, right. and they're taking this guy. Here's the other part of that, though. 
Urban Meyer, we know he's a great college football coach at Utah, at Florida, at Ohio State, at Bowling Green, everywhere he's ever gone, he's been <laughs> yes. really, really good. With, literally, without exception, he's been Correct. fantastic. Does that translate to the NFL? Can you just be the college guy and go there? Because we've seen a mixed bag. Jimmy Johnson, great college coach, great pro coach. Pete Carroll, great college coach, very successful pro coach. But we've seen a whole bunch of other guys. Steve Spurrier is one of the guys that comes to mind that tore up the college ranks. And they go to the NFL and they fall flat on their face. Yeah, uh, you know, I talked to one of uh, the guys on Urban Meyer's staff last week, and he told me that Herb is bringing same old Urban. He is bringing competition. He is bringing <clears throat> to uh, he he's bringing a different NFL than what people are used to. I think Urban Meyer is not into the big X's and O's as much as he is. He is a, just a guy who's going to be the CEO. He's going to make sure things are run the right way. He's making sure he's challenging coaches to. Make sure you get the most out of your players. Remember, he coached up Alex Smith in 2005 to be the number one overall pick Mm -hmm. uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. So he's used to protege-type quarterbacks, guys that you can come in and mold. And all they can say is Alex Smith, who retired just this past couple weeks ago, I think, um, was a great leadership guy, ran the offense correct, and it was about the competition that they had around the team. And I think that's what Urban Meyer presents. It's a different – than when Jimmy Johnson was there, where Jimmy was trying to build the team. Remember, it was the Herschel Walker trade, and they were sure. getting draft picks. And remember, he inherited, I believe, Troy Aikman. He didn't pick Troy, I believe. They were just trying to grab assets. A little bit different here with Urban is that he's saying, look, we're all in this together. We're going to build it the right way. Look, I, I'm, I'm going to bring this back to the Rams right now because yeah. I, I think that it's it's really interesting. The Rams have had – a great deal of success picking in the first round. They've gotten guys like Aaron Donald. They got a guy like Todd Gurley. They got a guy like Michael Brockers. And look, yeah. I'm not the world's greatest um, Jared Goff fan, but Jared Goff took him to the Super Bowl. So I'm not going right. to sit here and say that Jared Goff is a bum. You know, maybe first overall, not the, exactly what you're looking for, but they've got a bunch of really good players in the first round. So I'm, let's not get it too twisted. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, they use the draft differently than most of these other most of these other teams do. They use it as a way to kind of fill some holes along the way and trade away, like we talked about at the beginning, some of these first round assets to go get there. There's no question about Matthew Stafford. So this idea of okay, I have the first pick. I'm going to try to build my team through Trevor Lawrence, or I'm going to try to build my team through Trey Lance, or Justin Fields, or Zach Wilson, who are okay, fine. But we see for the first time in a long time, we see player movement in the NFL. Usually, the <laughs> only way to get right. a star player was through the draft or through free agency, and those free agency guys almost never included quarterbacks. Quarterbacks very, very rarely got to free agency. Now we see them moving all over the place all the time. Why not do that? Why not do it more like the Rams? Where Okay, I have the number one overall pick, but, hey, I really like this guy over here. Let's go flip him. Russell Wilson's name kept popping up during the offseason. Now he's settled back in there, but I would much rather have Russell Wilson than cross my fingers and hope that a guy (laughs) like Trey Lance or a guy like Trevor Lawrence pans out. So you, you, if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you would much rather have Russell Wilson. Than Hell Andy yes. <laughs> Hell yes. No. Oh, it, it, by the way, Kirk, I'm going to have to correct you very quickly. It's not Andy Dalton. It's QB1. Oh, QB1. You're right. I'm sorry. You're right. I'm sorry. QB1 with the Bears. Right? They couldn't get it fixed. Right. Um, honestly, Travis, it's the economics of the NFL. That's what it always comes down to. It's about money. It's about um, the position. It's about other players around. It's about what can you afford, how is your team built. The Rams are built um, through Sean McVay's offense, moving parts, right? I mean, 
Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, those these guys were available for everyone, but yet mm-hmm. they fit in with the Rams and they fit in quite well. The running back position, everybody was remember he inherited Todd Gurley again. Todd Gurley, it, that wasn't Sean, McVi- Sean McVay's guy, yeah. but he inherited and Todd Gurley had some of the best years of his career with the Rams. But the Rams realized we can't put it all on one guy. We need to have multiple backs. And you know, you have the Cam Makers, you'll have Daryl Henderson. I can see them adding another running back as well uh, to the mix. So I bring all of this up because I think when when you think about the Rams and their formula, what has their formula really been? Their formula has been what? Grab the players that fit what you need right now. They don't live, you know, it's crazy. It's funny to say, but the Rams live paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> they, like, like, let's just keep it real. The richest owner in the league. Yeah, you got the richest right. owner in the league, but the Rams live paycheck to paycheck, man. They literally go year to year. They mold their team from year to year. They, they're not worried about five years from now, six years from now. We don't know if we can get there, right? we like, let's just worry about this. Worry about how do we win 2021. Okay, and then once 2022 comes, we'll figure that out. But if you're going year to year and not pro- – yeah, they'll, they'll do some projections when it comes to certain players. But for the nucleus of the team, it is a year-to-year league, and the Rams have done a great job of putting a team together for that season. All right, hiring can feel like trying to find a needle in the haystack, but when you post a job at ZipRecruiter, their matching technology finds these qualified candidates for you and then invites them to apply. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. So, with that in mind, Kirk, does the bill come due for them at some point? You're talking about, you know, paycheck to paycheck. Let's yeah. let's extend the analogy. <laughs> Is their car going to break? You know what I mean? All of a sudden, like, I don't have any money. I just spend it all on my rent. I just right. spend it all on groceries. I don't have any money. I can't fix my car. I got to take the bus for a couple of weeks until I get my next paycheck. Is the bill going to come due for them? Are they going to hit a point where they say, look, we can't continue to plug holes by trading away draft picks. We're going to have to take it on the chin for a season or more, and we're going to have to reset this thing. We're going to have to reacquire some of these draft assets to try to rebuild it again, or can you keep just pushing it out into the future the way that they have? The crazy part was that was last season. That was last year. (laughs) That was last year with the exit of Brandon Cooks. That was the last year with the exit of Ty Gurley. That was last year with the exit of Eric Weddle and Clay Matthews, mm-hmm. right? Remember, they traded away Marcus Peters. Think about all the guys who were on on this team last year that had to exit. They had to bite the bullet, and they were paying contracts for players on the team that weren't on the team. Right. right. <laughs> like, it's unreal. But yet, last year was was supposed to be that year, and all they did was come within a game of win, a game of winning the NFC West, winning a wild card game against Seattle, and getting to the division around against the Green Bay Packers. I and think they might have won that game, Kirk, had Aaron Donald not been hurt. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they were in Correct. the game despite the fact that Aaron Donald was – it's the first time in my life we've ever seen Aaron Donald be a non-factor in a football game, and it's because he was injured. He was injured. He was banged up. So it, it's a great point, and I just think that we overlooked how – how they beat expectations a year ago. And I think moving forward, it still goes back again to what we're about to witness over the next three days. It's the draft, right? It's it's finding holes because, look, I, I think the case for this point right here, Travis, is that the Rams were in a situation they needed to win one game to get to the playoffs. They went to a guy who was undrafted, wasn't on there. I mean, ain't never took a snap in the NFL. They did okay. John, John Walford, yep. and he went out there and helped them win a football game and actually started 
the playoff games. That's that's scouting, man. <laughs> and threw an interception on his very first NFL pass. That was a uh oh, uh oh moment. Why are you gonna bring up the negative? No, no, I say it as a compliment because no. what could have been a oh my goodness, what have yeah. we gotten ourselves into? He settled in pretty quickly and did a pretty good job in that game. All right, one of the teams we have not mentioned, Kirk, other than the team that picked you first, or I should say in the third round with one of their picks mm-hmm. uh, back in 05, the Las Vegas Raiders. What are they going to do with that first mm-hmm. pick? They, of course, pick 17th tonight. We'll get into that. It is coming up next. It is the NFL Draft Preview Show with Travis and Kirk on 710 ESPN. Yeah, Kirk, I'm sure that everybody that's going to get picked tonight is going to remember it for the rest of their lives. You know, it's the draft day. You find out which team you're going to go to. You find out that you're going to make a little bit of money. All of these things that come along with it, incredibly exciting to be sure. But can I be honest with you for a second? Yeah. Cleveland? We're doing the we're doing the draft in Cleveland. Man, come on. It was supposed to be in Vegas last year. Yeah. Let's run Vegas back again. <laughs> Vegas didn't even get a shot. Like I get it. If you go to New York City or you right. go to Vegas or Chicago or Miami <laughs> or Los Angeles or one of these places that's got a little something to it. New York, right? Oh, the, yeah. Cleveland, man. What are we doing the draft in Cleveland for? Well, it's it's a bidding process, right? They're gonna <laughs> bid it out. Um look, not everybody can get the Super Bowl, Travis. And we know that usually that the um, the, the draft is right around is in is in spring, almost mm-hmm. to summer. So you usually get better weather. It's been in Chicago. I thought it was great when it was in Nashville. Nashville was good. Nashville was good. Yeah. I think for where we are right now at, as a country, Cleveland works, but Vegas next year is a party, right? And I yeah. think hopefully things will be under control with the pandemic and COVID and all of that. That it'll be a party. So as much as we're doing this show now from Los Angeles, you know, in, in California, I'm going to tell you this. We may be going remote next year. Let's go to Vegas. <laughs> I'm in. Sold. I might leave tonight. <laughs> we can do the show tomorrow from yeah. Vegas. I, I'm on. Look, all NFL events should be held in Miami. Yes. New Orleans. In Los Angeles. Correct. Those are the three places that we should do things. Everywhere else, you can kind of go. If we want to do the draft in New York, that's fine, too. That That's a good spot for it. Can't do the Super Bowl in New York very often because of the weather. That's really not – I know that they did it, but that's not how I want it. Miami, New Orleans, Los Angeles. Just that little three-headed monster. Let's just go run it back between those three spots. Well, we do have Super Bowl 56 coming up here, SoFi Stadium, February 13th. 2022 so yes we do have that upcoming and i want to throw a fourth one in there let's make it a four-headed monster vegas should get some stuff too. always always yes (laughs) 2021 nfl draft aerial coverage over cleveland is provided by goodyear the start of a new drive goodyear more driven let's go back to vegas let's start with the las vegas raiders and finally get to the point where that kind of rolls off the tongue kirk i don't have to double check and and start to say oh no not oakland it's las vegas john gruden's (laughs) drafts are always kind of interesting right that he, he doesn't always do what you think he's going to do they'll move around a little bit in the the draft as well they are slotted to pick 17th tonight in the first round what are the Raiders going to do with that 17th pick do you think they make a pick or do you think they trade up or down no they'll make a pick and think about it um let's just go back just really quickly um have they accumulated uh the talent from the Khalil Mack trade remember the Khalil Mack trade for them where Gruden came in and traded Khalil Mack to Chicago they got multiple first round picks mm-hmm. they also traded Amari Cooper they got a pick mm-hmm. uh, from the Dallas Cowboys in the first round and this is where you value player again over asset because the, the Chicago Bears got a perennial Hall of Famer 
and he's been yeah. But the Raiders pro. went together. The Raiders preferred asset over player. Correct. That's when they went yeah. asset over player. So they were like, oh yeah, we, we we'll take the asset. Okay. Chicago said we'll take the player, and they've got an All Pro candidate. I mean, every single year, Hall of Fame candidate. I mean, he's the best defensive player right under Aaron Donald. Okay, mm-hmm. Khalil Mack is. Amari Cooper has been one of the best receivers in the NFL. He'll get his quarterback back as well. The Raiders have drafted, I believe it was uh, Jonathan Abram. Cleveland. Uh, yeah, from uh, Josh Jacobs. Yep. Yep. So, and then they uh, drafted Henry Ruggs last year. In Cleveland Farrell, you mentioned, yeah. yeah. So they haven't, like, they haven't got the return yet on the investment, right? They, they have got all these picks and. You're looking at the players, and we're like, those players are a lot better than what you've drafted. So the Raiders today, tonight, I should say, pick 17, where, where do they go? Where do they go? I got them slated to pick up a defensive end, Jalen Phillips, defensive end out of Miami. They need pass rush. Gus Bradley, former Chargers defensive coordinator, now goes over to the Raiders in Vegas. He'll be their defensive coordinator. He's used to having Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram uh, years uh, when he was with the Chargers years prior to that, in C, uh, drafted Yannick Ngakwe when they were down in Jacksonville. So he's had sort of um, this, this to me, like a certain style of defense. So I think that the Raiders have to go defensive end, add more defensive pass rush uh, to what they have going on there. So it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if they do that, or they can go linebacker as well. And help out that second level of their defense. You know, it's funny because they're kind of the opposite of what we were talking about with the Rams. The Rams have said, look, you can have our first-round draft picks. Give me Brandon Cooks. You can have our first-round draft picks. Give me Jalen Ramsey. You can have our first-round draft picks. Give me Matt Stafford. You know, they, they've they've taken the proven NFL commodity over the what might be. Now, the Raiders are the other side of that coin. Here's Khalil Mack. Like you said, that dude's going to wind up with a gold jacket. Okay, right. he's he's that he's one of those <laughs> guys. Amari Cooper, probably not a Hall of Famer, but he's a very good NFL player. We, we know exactly what he is. And the Raiders have taken all of these assets, and they're missing the playoffs, and these guys are not household names, and they're still picking in the middle of the first round. It's not like they, you know, they, they were 8-8 eight and eight yeah. last year. They were really not they, – they didn't come close to making the playoffs, and it's just kind of an interesting way to look at it. And you can cherry pick. I'm sure there's some other examples of well where they've turned these assets. You mentioned the Cowboys way back in the early 90s where they turned a boatload <laughs> of draft picks yes. into a three-time Super Bowl champion. I mean, they, they, that, it works – but the Raiders so far are just kind of spinning their wheels a little bit. How close are they to being a competitor? I think they're competitors, yeah. They're, they're there in terms of competing. Now, I don't know if they're competing for a division title. Uh, I think when you look Not at Kansas GC City, around. they're yeah. <laughs> above and beyond uh, the teams within that division. But are they a playoff team? They were lining up to be a playoff team last year, and it didn't work out. And in the three years since Gruden has been the head coach for the Raiders, I mean, the Chicago Bears have been to the playoffs twice. Okay, um, the Raiders have not been to the playoffs once. So th- we talk about a lot of pressure on McVay because of him getting, obviously, Matthew Stafford this year. There should be some pressure on John Gruden because in three years, the message has been the same, but yet the results have not been the same. The message is, hey, we're going to get this thing fixed. We're going to get turned around. Okay, it, it was Derek Carr's fault. Well, last year yeah. proved to me that it wasn't about Derek Carr because <laughs> yeah, he played pretty that. well. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what's going on now? What's the next excuse? Oh, well, we don't have defensive and pass rush. So it was you know Paul Gunther who had to fall on the sword last year. So we'll see what Gus Bradley brings because now you get to year four, 
Coaches don't get more than four years, even though he's got a 10-year He's got a 10-year check in his back (laughs) pocket. That may buy him a a little bit more time, but I agree with you. And then there's this piece. You mentioned it in passing, the Kansas City piece. And I wonder how much of effect that has, that if you're in a division with a team like Kansas City, because look, look, I, I understand the NFL, you know, not for long, right? That that right. whole thing, and and it's mostly true that you what the Patriots have done, what the what the Steelers have done, and maybe to a point where the Packers have done, where you're in the mix just about every damn year. That's really rare. Usually, it's peaks and valleys. Oh, you yeah. get good, and then you don't, and then you come <laughs> back, and you and the. But when you look at the Chiefs, Kirk. And you look at what they've done with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. They went to an AFC championship game and got beat by a toe because D. Ford lined up offsides. (laughs) They won the Super Bowl. And then they went back to the Super Bowl last year, and they got beat, but their offensive line was shredded. They couldn't give Patrick Mahomes any time, but they still got to the Super Bowl. So they're basically three for three with this guy as their quarterback. If you're in the AFC West, if you're the Chargers, if you're the Broncos, if you're the Raiders, do do you look at the draft a little bit more long-term? Do you look at the draft as more of a long play? Because, look, I got that dude in Kansas City. He's not going anywhere for a while. I know there are other roads into the playoffs, but we have a major obstacle in our way. Let's think longer-term as opposed to shorter-term. I think when you mention long-term, I think long-term is we got to draft defensive players. we got to find guys who can stop Tyreek Hill. Not necessarily stop, but can run with Tyreek Hill. We need guys who can rush the passer that can create havoc and rush Patrick Mahomes into some um, some mistakes. We need some linebackers who can fill gaps and stop runs. So I think to your point, the, it's a long-term play in trying to draft guys who help you stop the offense of the Chiefs, not so much of let's go out and grab more players and turn us into the Big 12 in terms of scoring. <laughs> like, <Right. yeah. laughs> I'd rather stop them than try to outscore them. All right. The number one pick in 1996, you all know who that is, the guy in the giant white suit, Keyshawn Johnson, joins us next on the NFL Draft Preview Show with Travis and Kirk, driven by Hyundai on 710 ESPN. We are live and local, Kirk. Maybe if you had your way, we'd be live and less local because we'd be in Vegas getting ready for the draft. But uh, (laughs) that would work as well. The 2021 NFL Draft aerial coverage over Cleveland is provided by Goodyear. The start of a new drive, Goodyear more driven what did you do you told me you were waiting around for the phone to ring but once you got the call what did how did you celebrate getting picked by the Raiders um I just went my body went numb Travis um my whole entire football life flashed before me right from my Pop Warner days high school days at Bishop O'Dowd in Oakland my college days at San Diego State everything just flashed right before me and you just saw it all and and you kind of wake up and it's like, is this really happening? And, you know, my mom was right there. And I actually kind of buried myself in the in the room for a little while. I actually watched. I was in Orange County. I, so I, was, I stayed in Orange County. Were you training? Yeah. I was training. And I wanted to continue to keep training afterwards. And so I watched the draft there. And, you know, when it happened, it was just, it was uh, like the emotion that I see from these players tonight. Travis, like. It, it, I just don't wish it on anybody, because these they all even know. with the even with the end result, Kirk. Even with the ultimate prize finally being there, it's still that gut wrenching. Yeah, put it like this: so you've done everything you can, right? You put in all the hard work, the time, the effort, the practices, the workouts. You've done everything possible, and yet it's not up to you where you go. 
Yeah, it, it is kind of a different <laughs> system. All right, as promised, the number one pick in the 1996 NFL Draft, Keyshawn Johnson. What's up, Key? How you feeling? What's happening, man? Just waiting, waiting around, waiting for the draft. Can't wait to see what happens. All right, so I, I have a lot of questions about the draft, but the most important question I have is, and Kirk and I were talking about it right off the top, where's that suit you wore on draft night? Do you still have that thing? No, no, that thing was donated to uh, the All-Star Cafe, and then eventually the All-Star Cafe went away. <laughs> so it's, what, is it in a landfill somewhere? Is there somebody walking around with that thing oh, on? Yeah. Where is it? You know, I have no idea where it's at. I just know that well, at the time, you know, the All-Star Cafe was a big deal, and so we donated the suit to the All-Star Cafe, and it hung up in, you know, in the, the like the lobby or whatever of the All-Star Cafe for Many years, and I think once the All Star Cafe shut down, they whatever they did with it, they did with it. All right, so take me back. But I was, we, but I, but I was ridiculously fly though. I had drift and everything. <laughs> so nobody, they couldn't mess with that. They couldn't mess with that, Kurt. Come on, man. I had the, I had the brown gators. Like I told the guys the other day on the show, I said, man, my watch was so ice, I could drop it in some water and it freeze. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I am absolutely not surprised. Take me through, Key. Obviously, you knew you were going to be, you know, if not the first pick, a very high pick. I know that you were negotiating with some teams. You said, fine, I'll go to Jacksonville at number two if you don't want me. But what was it like when you finally heard your name with the number one overall pick called and you go up with Tagliabue, hold up the jersey, the hug, the whole thing? Take me through it. Well, it was one of those deals where we tried to do a pre-draft, or the Jets tried to do a pre-draft deal because they felt like, you know, listening to people that I wanted to be in New York, so they thought they were going to get me on the cheap. And I basically told them the night before, if you draft me, great. If you don't, I go to Jacksonville and get what I'm supposed to get and be happy in Jacksonville opposed to coming to New York and knowing that you basically screwed me over on my contract. So the next morning we wake up, we go to the draft, and uh, the phone rings when the Jets are on the clock. And at that point I knew the Jets were going to take me, but I wasn't worried. If they took me at one, great. If they didn't, I'll go to two. And if two didn't take me, I'll go to three. So it wasn't – I was never worried about being drafted. I mean, I, you know, being drafted was great. And my – you know, as, as much as people think about my personality, I could care less if I went one. One, okay, so I went number one overall. I mean, it's great that I went one overall, but at that time, had I gone one, great. If I've gone five, great. I had an opportunity to do something – that, you know, by no one in my family has ever done, and that would be drafted in the National Football League and changed economics in my family for a while. You know, Key, look, for the last three seasons, um, college seasons, I would say, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence have been the number one overall and number two overall picks since they came to college, right? We were like, okay, this is number one and number two in three years. When they're draft eligible, they'll be the number one, number two quarterbacks. Now we get all the way into this point it's supposed to be Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and yet here comes Zach Wilson, and now Justin Fields seems to be slipping. Key, like, what am I missing here? How, why is this rise of other quarterbacks and not the same two guys who we've saw for the last three seasons in college football do what they were supposed to do and outplay everybody who they went up against? They should be one and two. Well, I think everybody likes something different, right? We we. You get caught up into the media hype of who's one, who's two, who's three. Think about some of the guys that were one, two, three, five, six, eight, and ten when you came out to the draft. And, and you went lower than them. And 
two or three years later, they were at home trying to figure out their next job while you were running around trying to catch people on the football field. So it's not where you start, it's where you finish. And, you know, if, if Mac Jones goes in front of him or, or, or Trey Lance goes in front of him or Kyle Trask goes in front of him or whatever the case may be, chances are those dudes going to wind up being bust anyway and he'll continue to excel. We see it all the time. Guys go in front of guys. Guys are pushed up in the draft, and the guys that are pushed up, Mitch Trubisky-like, you know? It's all about where you land. All, all about those sort of things are important. Where am I landing? Am I landing in the right situation, or am I going somewhere that's not going to be the right situation for me? And every time I look up, I'm going to be on the move somewhere. All guests on today's show appear via the Goodyear hotline, including Key, whose voice you hear right there. Key, if you had to place a bet on one of these quarterbacks that would be looking for their next job in five years, who is that? Which is it? Is it Mac Jones? Is it Trey Lance? Is it one of these other guys, Fields? Who's the guy that you feel least good about? Mac Jones. Why? Mac Jones. I'm not sold on Mac Jones as other people are. I think that in this day and age in the National Football League, there aren't too many sub-zero refrigerators still underneath the center. Um, you know, Tom Brady, Jared Goff to a degree. Um, who else? I mean, Joe Flacco's a backup in, in Philadelphia. Uh, so the big, tall Ben Roethlisberger, the big, tall statue, immobile quarterback, that's not it right now. Um, and Justin Fields and Trey Lance, have two-way goals, where some of these other guys only have a one-way go. And when you only – Mac Jones with only a one-way go, everything's got to be perfect for him. And when it's not perfect, what's his second option or his go-to? Um, you know, they've even created a word of he's athletic in the pocket. Like, <laughs> what, what, what the hell does that mean? Almost cursed. <laughs> what, what is athletic? I ain't never – Kurt, we've been covering football and playing football. I ain't never heard athletic in the pocket. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, somebody that came up with athletic in the pocket. I'm like, what the hell is athletic in the pocket? I've heard he's athletic on the perimeter. When he gets outside the pocket, he uses his athletic ability. But I've never heard a guy being athletic in the pocket. Have you, Kurt? <laughs> no, nah, man. I just say hey, he, he's got pocket awareness. I don't know about no pocket athletic <laughs> You know what I like, Keith? I like guys that are just they'll do anything. They'll do anything to try and push a guy up and push another guy down and sell you on somebody. One thing you're not going to do to me is you're not going to sell my eyes on something that I clearly see is not the case for the San Francisco 49ers at number three. You're not going to sell me on that. I don't give a damn if they do take me. I ain't a believer. You know, Key, one of the, uh, I guess, concerns for me in this draft is a wide receiver in Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner. Key, he only about a buck seventy, man, soaking wet. Can a guy like that succeed in the NFL? About 170 pounds, a guy who plays the, plays the position that, that you played, but the physical part of the game, can he last at 170 pounds? You know, that's going to be the key. It's the rigorous 17 weeks plus of the NFL season. Uh, clearly, he played in the SEC. People want to make the SEC the toughest division, the hardest hitting division, all of those sort of things. Okay, let's give him that. He got through there in three seasons. 
they want to make the argument that the NFL is loaded with SEC talent, the same guys that be facing. That's not true, though. They're not loaded like that. Yes, it's loaded, but it's not, it's not like to the point where every guy in the SEC is starting and playing. Right. So he's going to see a little bit of a difference level in the NFL than he did in college. Rerouting, putting their hands on him at the line of scrimmage, disrupting his timing, you know, trying to really antagonize him and knock his head off coming, coming in the middle of the field or even on the sideline. I mean, so he can survive and he can still be good. He's got to go to the right spot, the right system, and the right situation to know how to utilize it. Uh, Hollywood Brown is small. But, you know, everybody said, well, can he survive? Well, he survived so far, but it's not like he's touching the ball 80 times, 90 times a game. I mean, 90 times a year. He's not touching the ball like that. So the pounding is less on him. If you, you know, so it's all about how you utilize these dudes, man. So that's really what it is. Hey, man. He won. He won. Jamal Adams hit away from being over there next to me and you on the sideline, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Jamal Adams. How about uh, uh, Aaron Donald on a reverse coming up the a gap untouched on a reverse? Yeah, don't call that play. That seems, like, that? that seems like a bad idea. <laughs> Think about it. How about that on a reverse coming up the a gap untouched because mm. the guard pulled the wrong way. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> all right. One more quick one before we let you go. Take. I, I know that you didn't stay in New York long. How long was it from the time you got picked to the time you held the jersey till you were on your way back to LA? Well, okay. So in New York, New York Jets had a number one pick in the city which the Jets are in, New York. I got drafted. Uh, so my press conference was at the Jets facility. So I did the media, I did all of that at the at the draft, but then I went back to Jets facility and had a press conference with all the beat writers and all the different things and toured the facility. So from the time I was drafted to the time I left probably was four hours, I would say. <laughs> I got on a plane. Back to L.A. But now remember, at a time, this draft was on a Saturday, so the draft was all day. I got back to L.A. I believe we was at the end, back end of the first round. <laughs> we were at the back end of the first round. Yeah. So some dudes, you know, I, I've seen, you know, you know how you get, you see guys out and y'all get to talk, everybody get to talking trash. Yeah. I told one dude before, I told somebody before, I said, man, by the time I got Back to L.A., you wasn't even drafted yet. So what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I was already back in L.A. before you got drafted. Any names you'd like to share just who me. you dropped that on? Yeah, I don't want to embarrass them. <laughs> they know who they are if they're listening. Do you know, speaking of, Keith, do you know who the last wide receiver taken number one overall was? <laughs> I just just making sure that you knew. I just wanted to make sure that you were still on top of that. I don't know. Sports, if- Illustrated, Sports Illustrated Sports Illustrated redid the draft from the 1996 draft. They said I would have been a 13th pick to the Chicago Bears. We used it on my show this morning. You know what I told everybody in the guys? Mm. Well, the fact of the matter is I wasn't a 13th pick of the draft, so now what? <laughs> <laughs> who was your – who would have been your – Now that- what? 
Is that a, a Jim Harbaugh joint at that point when you would have gone there? Oh God, I don't even know who would have been the quarterback. No, it was it was it was a bad QB though. It was like somebody that was bad. It well, was, you're gonna need to be more specific. The Bears like have had nothing like, but bad quarterbacks. I, I think it was somebody like an older Chris Chandler or something Oof. like that. Mm, yeah. yeah. See, now I got You're my research for the day. Yeah, no, it, it, it got, no, it would have got. It would have been. It would have been really, really. Uh, it would have been really ugly. But like I told them, the bad part. Of, the, the, the bad part about it is for them is I wasn't the thirteenth pick in the draft. So <laughs> there you go. I was the number one overall pick Gee. in. The you know who, history. Do you know who it was? I just Googled it. You know who that quarterback in 1996 was? It's Dave Craig. Ooh. Ooh. Dave Craig. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> you, Craig yeah. back to pass. He finds Keenan. Uh, the ball's in the dirt. <laughs> That's how that would have gone. Good would, to hear your voice. Uh, that, yeah, that wouldn't have went over well. <laughs> I don't think it would have either. Good to talk to you, my friend. We'll do it again soon. All right, talk to you guys. All right, you got it. <laughs> what do you think, Kirk? Dave, Craig, and Keyshawn on the Bears together. How would that have gone? Um, that would have been different, man. <laughs> I think Vinny Testaverde was okay. <laughs> yeah, Vinny, Vinny was the right choice. All right, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about how this first round is going to shake up. Are we going to see some movers, or is it going to go as expected? Just pick after pick after pick. Are we going to see some movement along the way? That's coming up next on the NFL Draft Preview Show, driven by Hyundai on 710 ESPN. All right, Kirk, so as you and I are doing this show, and we'll be doing it again tomorrow, don't forget, we've got a whole bunch of guests lined up for you tomorrow as well. Jordan Rodrigue from The Athletic, she's going to join us. She covers the Rams. We've got Tori Holt, former Ram great, and Austin Gale will give us all of the draft grades from tonight and get you ready for the second and the third rounds, which are coming up tomorrow. Um, got the TV on in the background, and they were just showing a whole bunch of draft stuff, and they showed a picture, Kirk, of Sam Darnold getting picked by the Jets a few years ago at number three. <laughs> and it just brings it just brings to mind how important that, you know, we're all going to talk about who did well tonight and who did not do well, and the short answer is we just don't know. You know, until, until they get out on the field and start playing, who knows if who's going to work and who isn't. If, if anybody knew, you wouldn't have – Ryan Leafs and Jamarcus Russells of the world. You just you you wouldn't, right? You just right. don't know how it's going to shake out. Sam Darnold is an interesting one to me because I still think he can play. Yeah. I, and, and 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 I think it's a really important part to a point to make because it's not necessarily at which slot you get drafted in. Okay, number two is better than number nine. Number nine is better than number twenty six. So on and so forth. Right. It's who picks you if you get picked <laughs> yeah. by a team that doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Looking at you, Jets. Looking at you, Jacksonville. Looking at some of these other teams that are perennially picking at the top of the draft. Cleveland picked first in the in the top five picks for about twenty years in a row, and they're just now starting to get good. So where you go, I think, is far more important than when you go. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, the point here too, always, always, uh, I want to make is that I feel more comfortable this year than maybe other years because you've got some support around these quarterbacks, right? For Jacksonville, I love the support that will be around Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer and his track record as a coach. I love that Robert Sala, his, he's the new head coach with the New York Jets. He was going to surround, I think, Zach Wilson, same thing. San Francisco, I love Kyle Shanahan, the play caller. So whoever he drafts, I think they'll have some success, but what's going to be their ceiling? The Atlanta Falcons, they got a new head coach, general mm-hmm. manager. They're sur- – like. 
it's not a situation of like Josh Rosen going to the Steve Wilkes's Arizona Cardinals, right? Like it was just a disaster. We've seen some teams and like coaches who they have to draft a quarterback because they need to save their job. I don't see it that way. I see it as as these quarterbacks that will be drafted in the first round. I believe uh, tonight they have an infrastructure in place. The only one I may be scared of is Denver if they go quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Denver to me, I don't know because they've had two years of Vic Fangio, offensive coordinators, and then if it don't work out, you've got a situation where coach is going, first-round quarterback, new coach coming in, and this is going to be different than Jerry Goff and, and how Jeff Fisher was. Not everybody can just hire a Sean McVay to fix it. No. Well, and, and then you think about it too. I mean, other than them signing Peyton Manning, you know, their, their their record exactly. at quarterback has been abysmal, whether yes. it's been Case Keenum or Brock Osweiler or who is the Paxton Lynch. Paxton and I mean, Lynch, we've seen yeah. Drew Locke, all of these other Trevor guys. Simeon. Come through the, Trevor Simeon's <laughs> another one. Yeah, I mean, they, these are all in, in the last 10 years that we yeah. these names that we've yeah. dropped along the way. This is that that is, you know, for a guy that was one of the greatest of all time in John Elway, who went out and ID'd Peyton Manning or at least was shrewd enough to realize that he still had some football left. They go and they win another Super Since then, that's been a disaster. Yeah, and, and luckily, luckily, look, John Elway said, I've, I've, ha- I've been bad at this. So he hired a general manager this year in George Patton. So they've got a they've got a general manager that can help him make these decisions now, Travis, because this is a difficult thing to do. It's one thing to be a quarterback and then try to do it now as an executive. There's guys who do this for a living that have watched the position, that see what you're trying to do with the position of quarterback. So I, I think hopefully they get it correct. But I'm just excited for tonight, Travis. I really am because, um, you know, think about where we were last year, the first virtual ever NFL draft. Remember, everything yeah. was virtual. and it was, It's gonna be a, going to be a hybrid tonight, right? Yeah, So, but you remember it was getting the picks and not knowing. I think today, because everything's happening live, that you'll get the delayed and you get the actual responses of when players are drafted because mm-hmm. – you'll have the real time. So last year was everything was delayed and you couldn't really understand it and phone calls. They were trying to, you know, pan away from a player on his phone. We're not getting that tonight. Tonight is going to be on. Tonight is uh, going to be fun, man. I, I look forward to this. Yeah, it should be a, a great night. And, you know, the Chargers are the local team here that does have a first-round pick. They've got yes. that 13th pick overall. And they've got a new head coach in Brandon Staley. And you just, you know, when Sean McVay came in, his first draft was really successful. I mean, you go and you get Cooper Cup. You go, and Gerald Everett was their first-ever draft pick. First and draft pick, yeah. While he wasn't a, a superstar, it, he, he played. He made yes. plays for them along the way. And it, it's so important that that first draft kind of just puts you in a position to have a little success so you can go into that next one feeling pretty good about where you are and you can start to plug in some of those holes as opposed to, okay, where do we even start? And the fact that they have the quarterback position locked up with Justin Herbert, they're in a pretty good spot, but they need to get 13 right tonight. Yeah, that's a great point, man. You mentioned about the Rams. The Rams, that first class, all those guys had to sign big deals, right? Gerald mm-hmm. Everson signed a new contract. John Johnson, new contract. John Johnson uh, was Josh, starting by week yeah. four that first season. Josh Reynolds, he signed a contract yep. as well. So all these players went out and got big deals somewhere else because the Rams couldn't afford them. Hey, just, hey this is the pro- this is uh, the good part about over I mean, drafting well is that, hey, th- those guys will go out and be successful else place, other places. The Chargers have to get this one right tonight. Like, they have to get this one right. If they get this one right, now they're worrying about, hey, adding more weapons and not having to worry about adding protection. 
and as a first-time head coach, too, everything that comes along with that, just not being entirely sure. Yeah. He's been in draft rooms before. He's been through it, but he's the head coach now. Now oh, yeah. it's not – so they we're not asking the other guy questions. We're asking <laughs> you the questions now. Why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? That is a whole other dynamic. I've heard it talked about in the NBA. It's only a chair over – but it is a totally different universe when you are the assistant versus the head guy. Yeah, you're taking on all the team's problems now. But I think he, uh, he's he got a guy in Tom Telesco that will help him out. Chargers have done well in the first round. It's just about getting more talent in the other rounds as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Kirk and I are going to be back tomorrow. We're going to run it back all over again. We'll break down all of the first round. We'll talk more about what the Rams are going to do with their first, second-round pick. We'll talk about what the Chargers do next. We'll get into the Raiders, the Niners, everybody, and who made the biggest draft day mistakes. That's tomorrow. We'll see you then at 9.